The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. It is Jesus and only Jesus. There's so much happening. I'm just astonished at what my daughter sent me last night. It's an announcement of a White House siege. Tactical briefing number one. Occupy Wall Street. They're planning to redo it, this time on the White House. 50 days, September 17 to November 3rd. With Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Extinction Rebellion, and other scoundrels. And they're calling it the sweetest rebellion, the sweetest disobedience. And of course, there's the rioting and looting and burning in Chicago last night, continuing into today. The murders in New York City, the checkpoints in New York City. We could spend the whole broadcast talking about what's happening and what's what's happening that's sensational. I don't want to spend the broadcast time that way. I want to spend this time helping to prepare you for what's coming. And the way to prepare for what's coming, yes, we need to have some food laid aside and some water and a way to protect ourselves, perhaps. But that's not really how to prepare. The way to prepare for what's coming upon this world and upon our nation is to pray. To learn how to reach the throne room of God with our prayers in such a manner that we see the answer in the physical realm. So let's start with prayer. Almighty God, as I come to my brothers and sisters on this broadcast of Pilgrim's Progress, I ask that your Holy Spirit would quicken the word and enlarge the word in the heart and mind of each person who listens. Lord, I confess I'm just a beginner at this. We need you to come and teach us how to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. I praise and honor and worship you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Now, this is not going to be the traditional, here's how you pray. I want to go much deeper. I want to go much further. And if you'll listen to this entire broadcast when we're finished, you will have some very specific things to do that will bring you very much into the presence of God. Your prayers cannot be answered if you are not in the presence of God. You have to get in His presence. How do you do that? That's what we're going to talk about. In the book of John, there is a passage of Scripture that has been most troublesome to me, and it's been troublesome to many of you. I know that because you've 
talked with me about it. You've asked me about it. In John, the 14th chapter, Jesus is speaking with his disciples, and he says this to them in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Is that your experience? It's not mine. I'm not doing greater things than Jesus did. But the promise is that's exactly what would happen. So what's wrong? What's the issue? Well, the immediate next verse begins to give us some clues. It says, if you love me, you'll obey what I've commanded. There is an obedience to the commands of God that we are called to. And I'd like to share part of a story today that will help us get at this issue and help open for us our understanding so that we will know how to begin to enter into the presence of God. If you don't hear him, if he doesn't speak with you, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and there's no answer, you're certainly not fulfilling this promise that Jesus made to us that we would do even greater things than he did. So how do we gain authority in the prayer closet? What are the steps? Well, I'd like to share with you the experience, one experience that Reese Howells had. It's found in the book, Reese Howells, The Intercessor by Norman Grubb. This story that I'm going to share with you today, Reese Howells is working as a coal miner on the face of the coal mine in Wales, one of the roughest jobs possible. He's a strong young man, probably 23, 24 years old, single, living at home. He came back with the anointing of God from America. They started cottage meetings in people's homes. The Welsh revival is in full-blown glory. Now, as Rhys Howells is walking with his friends, and they're returning from the village where they've been ministering, they pass a group of women who never come to the meetings. And they could tell by their voices that these women were drunk. They'd been drinking. They were loud, catcalls, laughter. One of the group that was with Reese Howells exclaimed, Where is the power to change these people, these women? How? Where's the power of God for them? Reese Howells took that as a challenge in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told him, pick the ringleader of these women. She's a notorious character. 
she's a confirmed drunk, and pray her into the kingdom of God by Christmas Day. Well, this was something entirely new for Reese. He'd seen many drunkards converted, but the Lord had worked through his personal contact with them, his personal witness with them. In this case, however, he was to have no contact with this woman. The Lord told him that he was to use no personal influence, but only reach her by way of the throne of God. Now, that's a real test. Can you, by going to the prayer closet, change what's happening in the physical world? That's the test. Could the Holy Spirit, through him, use the power of the atonement to break the devil's dominion in her life and fulfill the Savior's words in Matthew twelve twenty nine about binding the strong man and stealing his goods? Now, Rhys saw that if he could get this visible proof of the devil's defeat, The Holy Spirit could apply this in many places in his life. And he recognized his prayer life would be totally changed. Now, to do this, as he began to pray, the text that he was given was from John 15, 7. Let me read it for you. This is John 15, 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Let me read it for you again. Listen carefully. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Well, it's very clear from that passage of Scripture that Reese Hal's success was going to be totally dependent on his remaining in the Greek or abiding in the Greek in Jesus. This abiding was to take the central place of his life. The key text, John 15, 7, makes it very plain that the promise is unlimited. But the fulfillment of this promise depends on his abiding or his remaining in Jesus, remaining in union with Jesus. Now, you can obviously see that it's going to require a very careful guarding of his place of abiding. Now, what I have learned in the prayer closet and in the scripture is that these places of abiding are not philosophical places. They are actual places of Christian discipline where I am given the direction by the Holy Spirit, 
and I obey the Holy Spirit in that thing, and I guard it carefully and continue in it. So John, 1 John 2.6 is another very key scripture. Jot it down. 1 John 2.6 He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. In other words, it meant being willing for the Holy Spirit to live through Reese the life that the Savior had lived if he had been in Reese's place. So in other words, when I pray and there's no answer, and let's be honest, most of us have prayed whatever prayer we thought we wanted to pray. Whatever came to our mind, we'd pray. I've learned that these random prayers may or may not be answered by the Lord. They're a shot in the dark. But there are certain prayers that we can be certain will be answered in very concrete terms in the physical realm. And these are prayers that are given to us by the Holy Spirit, in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But the prayers of the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit are only extensions of concrete, real abiding places in the Spirit with Jesus, in union with Jesus. And as we live these abiding places, our purpose is to live like Jesus lived. So let me describe how Reese Howells maintained his abiding, and then I want to share with you my abiding places and what's happening because of those. First, Reese House was called by the Lord to spend a set amount of time every day at the same time. In other words, 6 to 7 o'clock or 6 to 10 o'clock at night or In my case, it's the morning hours, beginning at 8 o'clock. A set time of waiting upon God every day for the Lord to speak, to answer this prayer, to, to answer the intercession we are making for this person who is lost or for this desperate situation that we face or for the healing of our own bodies. Now, what happened to Reese as he waited upon the Lord to speak through his word, the Holy Spirit would reveal to Reese any standard that he was to come up to in obedience, particularly finding this in the law of the kingdom or the Sermon on the Mount. And so Reese would read the Sermon on the Mount every day as the introduction to his time with the Lord. The Sermon on the Mount is obviously found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Now, it's of great 
interest to me that the first beatitude or be happy attitude is blessed are the poor in spirit for there for they shall inherit the earth or or theirs is the kingdom of god well what is this poor in spirit it's the beginning place of any serious endeavor to have my prayers answered this is step number 1 If you want your prayer to be answered, you're going to have to begin by confessing to Jesus that you have no power to make this happen. The word poor in the Greek, there are several words for poor, but the one that is specifically used in this case literally means I have no possibility of accomplishing this on my own. I am powerless. I am helpless. I am utterly poor before you, O God. Now, this will consume, if you're like me, a fair amount of time coming into the full understanding of my poverty before God and my inability to move forward in the answering of this prayer. I need God to answer. Without him, I'm dead. I can't move. I'm frozen. Now, we'll speak about this later, but what happens when I begin to confess this is that the grace of faith begins to be open to me. And I'm going to speak this week further about the grace of faith. There is faith where I say, oh, I believe, and I work up my faith. And then there is the faith of Jesus. And when I enter the faith of Jesus, I have entered into the grace of faith. He doesn't owe me anything. Everything is a free gift from him. But when I enter into the grace, the undeserved mercy, I begin to understand that God is going to do something outside of my realm of possibility. I begin to understand that Jesus wants to do this, and he's waiting for me to give up all control and to render my body fully and completely into the hands of the Holy Spirit by coming face to face with my absolute poverty in the spirit realm. If you want your prayer answered, there will be no room for pride or arrogance or self-sufficiency. It begins with a number one beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, as you are in that time of prayer, Reese found that the Holy Spirit would give him very specific commands. And he was to fulfill these commands as his way of abiding in keeping the commandment, John 15, 10. The Spirit of God would also search his heart and throw light on his daily life, revealing any motives or actions that needed to be confessed and cleansed 
in the blood. Now, after some of you hear the broadcast today and this week as we talk about this issue, some of you are going to back away and say, you know what, I don't think I want my prayer answered. If you truly want your prayer answered, you're going to have to go through what I'm talking about. And it's going to become exceedingly uncomfortable for you because the wicked things hidden in your heart are going to be exposed to the light. And the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to confess those things honestly before him and to turn from them. We don't have the power to overcome lust or other inner sins. We're not talking here so much about outward sins. In my understanding, you should have already had those taken care of. That happened when you were converted. But if you have slipped back into those sins, they must be confessed before God and must be totally denied access to your heart. And you do that by pleading the blood of Jesus. And as a free gift of grace, God removes that sin from your heart and from your life. And you have to pray that through, again, beginning with the first beatitude. And the second beatitude talks about mourning, weeping, crying. And if you're like me, That's going to happen to you as you see your filthiness before a holy God. And you're going to have to repent. This is not about human ego. It's not about human power. It's about releasing God's power in your life to accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish through you for the salvation of the lost and the ministry of to your brothers and sisters in love. Now, the Spirit's dealings with Reese, as with me, have not been so much the outward shortcomings as dealing with our actual self-nature. Now, any transgression was not to be repeated. But specific obedience on that point would be called for until there was a radical inward change. 1 Peter one twenty two puts it this way. Let me get my Bible. Here it is. I want to read for you 1 Peter one twenty-two. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The way we purify ourselves is by obeying obeying the word of God, not turning away from it, but 
staying in that place of poverty and humiliation until we know this thing is done in us by the power of God. Now, what Reese discovered, and I have as well discovered this, is that the presence of God comes. He's here right now in this studio. There's a very obvious presence of God directing me in this broadcast. I know that presence of God. I rejoice in it. I pray that you feel it where you're listening, in your home or your car, office, wherever you are. I pray you feel and know this presence of God that is present with me here. If you do not know that presence, it's because there is obvious disobedience in your life somewhere, and you need to deal with that disobedience because the presence of God will be grieved from you even as the Holy Spirit is grieved from me if I continue to walk in disobedience before him after he has addressed that disobedience and given me direction to leave it alone and not touch it again. So the necessity for abiding is all through this John 15 passage. And we stay in that place of abiding in specific places for that intercession day after day, week after week, until the prayer is answered. Now, let me try to describe for you some of the places of abiding that the Lord has called me to. First, he's called me to spend a set amount of time every day in his presence and to begin that time every day by reading the Sermon on the Mount. The Holy Spirit deals with my heart very directly out of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, there is a second area where he has told me I'm to obey, and that is, when I get in the car, I'm not to turn the radio on. I'm not to listen to music. I'm not to check the news. I'm to leave the radio off. Now, what has happened over the past months is that I will sometimes listen to Christian music or I will sometimes listen to the news. But the Holy Spirit said, stop. Now, I'm not telling you that you should turn your radio off in your car. But I am telling you that the Holy Spirit has told me to do that, and I'll tell you why he's told me to do that. Because when I listen in the car to the radio, my thoughts are distracted from Jesus. It's, for me, Jesus, only Jesus. And I can't afford to have the vile news of our day filling my heart 
with darkness because the news is darkness. I don't approve of what I hear on the news. I don't like what I hear. I don't need to hear it. I need instead to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so he's told me, leave the radio off and fellowship with me while you're driving. And so my drive time is given over to praise, singing praises, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. I love to spend time in the Holy Spirit's presence. So I know very directly, number one, I am to give him that set time every day for prayer, for the reading of the Sermon on the Mount, and other portions of Scripture as he directs me. This morning he directed me to read very carefully in addition to the Sermon on the Mount. I read very carefully the seals, the seven seals, and the trumpets of God. And I prayed through what I see coming upon the earth. And I cried out for the people of God, for mercy for God's people. Now, in addition to this, the Holy Spirit has called me to fast one day a week without any food, but I can have liquid, water. So these places of concrete abiding, the regular time with Jesus at a set time, the reading of the Sermon on the Mount and other portions of Scripture as he leads me, the fasting one day a week. This is in addition to all of the normal things that I do in preparation for this broadcast and witnessing and praying. This afternoon I have an appointment to go and spend time praying with a a precious brother in Christ. So there is ministry, but this is separate from ministry. This is places of abiding for the very specific things that the Holy Spirit has told me to pray for. Now, what's happening, as I began doing these things last week, I began having vivid dreams. I began hearing reproof and correction. I identified a very specific thing by the direction of the Holy Spirit where I had been, I want to use the word pushy with somebody. It was over this pandemic. 
I think the virus is real, but I think the pandemic is false. I think it's a con job. And I was talking with a person about that, and I became too obtuse. I became too hard-edged. And the Holy Spirit dealt sternly with me. He said, are you the truth teller? No, Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not the truth. I'm only to speak the truth of Scripture, not the truth of culture. I'm only to speak what he gives me to speak, not what I speak out of my own desire to be right. And so I've had to confess that and earnestly repent and ask the Lord that I would never again act that way. Now we also spoke yet of the anger. In a dream, he spoke to me of my anger that is still in some parts of my heart. Well, it comes out as impatience. It comes out as feelings of judgment or criticism of others. And the Lord rebuked me for it. said, no more. Confess, repent, and ask that the blood of Jesus would utterly remove this from your heart. So there are very specific things the Holy Spirit is dealing with me on as I abide in him. You see, these places of abiding are like handles where the Holy Spirit can get a hold of us. If you don't have any places of abiding, if you're wishy-washy and you're floating this direction and that direction and you're going with every whim of your heart, then where does the Holy Spirit begin to get a hold of you? Now, believe me, I got in the car and immediately I, I thought to myself, one of my favorite people's on the air right now. I wish I could listen to it. <laughs> I said, Lord, please forgive me. I'd much rather listen to you. So Holy Spirit, forgive me. I don't want to listen to it. Would you remove that from my heart? I want to listen to you. Some of you listen constantly to music that's really not music. It's sentimental slop. It's not, it's not the great hymns of the Wesleys. There's no content to the music. And your heart is filled with that foolishness. And then you go to pray and you are speechless before God. Because God has not had a handle to get a hold of your life. Well, believe me, the Lord has several handles now to get a hold of my life with my day of fasting and prayer, with my time of reading Scripture at that set time, 
knowing that it's an appointment with God that I have to keep and it cannot be interfered with. Knowing that I have scriptures to read. These are handles that God can get a hold of my life and begin to reveal himself. Now, this is all in addition to the hours I spend just reading Scripture for leisure. I love the recreational reading of Scripture. I I love the stories of Scripture. But this set time is different. It's coming before the Lord. It's reading very specific passages of Scripture that are able to convict deeply and inviting the Holy Spirit to bring that conviction to my heart and to my mind as I wait upon him. Now, I've learned through the years that the promises of God given to us, according to Peter, are how we enter into the divine nature. We participate in the divine nature through these promises. Let me see if I could find this for you quickly. In Second Peter, this is what I find. This is verse 3, chapter 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So God has given us promises in Scripture. And these promises, if activated in our lives, give us an escape route from the corruption of this world and from the evil desires that rise up in our heart, the lust, the bitterness, the anger, if we'll stand on these promises. But you can't just stand on the promise because the promise will come and stand on you because you can repeat the promise over and over and nothing will happen. The promise is activated by places of abiding, by disciplined places of abiding that are called for in your life by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why I'm saying to you the very first step of having prayer answered in your life is the first beatitude. And the second beatitude. And the third beatitude. They are stair steps. So the first beatitude, again, 
is recognizing my absolute poverty and my inability to deal with what must be dealt with, whether it's sickness or finances or a husband or a wife, um, a friend who needs to come to Jesus. Your first step after you get a promise to stand on is to go to that first beatitude and begin to confess your utter inability to complete what is necessary. Now, I know people and some very wonderful, wonderful godly people who spend their whole life and their whole energy trying to do the work of God. And they're unable. Oh, they can eke out a living. They can eke out what is necessary. But they're not released from the snare because they've not gone to those first beatitudes and honestly prayed through their total inability to do what God is calling them to do. And the intercession must begin there. And we must hear clearly what the Lord is telling us we must do. And that becomes an abiding place. And in that abiding place, standing on that promise, we can sense, I can sense in the realm of the Spirit, the work of God building what is necessary to answer the cry of my heart. Now, the first time I did this, it took a year of prayer. But it doesn't need to take that long. I didn't have anyone to teach me what I've just taught you today. I didn't understand how to get an answer to prayer. So I had to bull through the hard way, and it took a year for the Lord to finally decide that I was not going to go away, and he had to answer. Since that time, he has given me very quick ways to enter into his presence. And once you gain that position, it's called the grace of faith regarding that issue. You can pray through very quickly and the prayer is answered and the word is given to you. Now, some of you today need a very clear word from God. First of all, choose a promise of Scripture that you're going to stand on by faith. And, of course, the one I'm going to stand on is John 14, 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I am asking Jesus for revival in Washington, D.C. I'm asking Jesus to lift up a standard of righteousness in this city. 
and for America. I believe he will do that. I know it is his will to save the lost. I know this promise is for me because greater things than Jesus did need to be done in this day and that can be done by radio or television or internet. But it also means a fullness of the Holy Spirit for the healing signs and wonders and the preaching of holiness and righteousness. And so I'm taking places of abiding. I'm standing on this promise. And you know the first place I go, the first beatitude, Lord, I can't make this happen. I've tried for years to make something happen in Washington, D.C. I have utterly failed in my attempt. I can't make these videos go viral. Only the Holy Spirit can. Now, if he leads you, please subscribe to our video. And if he leads you, please post it on your social media sites, the link, so that people can come and learn how to pray. But I can't make it happen. And I am enjoying so immensely in some areas where I have gained the grace of faith I am watching as God moves outside of me in such miraculous power to do what he promised me he would do. And he's doing it. I'm seeing it in the physical realm. And all I do is I worship him and I praise him and I fellowship with him. Now we're almost out of time. I wish I could open it for questions and comments, because I really want you to be able to get a hold of this. I'll go further with it tomorrow. But I want you to begin by establishing your poorness before God and your desperate need of him. Lay your pride in the dust. And then ask him what places of abiding he would have you take. One man's place of abiding was he was not to drink coffee anymore. Almost killed him. For a year, he was not allowed to drink coffee. And then after a year, the Lord said, okay, now you can drink coffee again. But the Lord had broken the lust in his heart for coffee. I don't know what the Lord will do with you. But if you'll begin at that first and second beatitude and humble your heart before God and a set time, he'll answer. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for the truth I've been able to share. I pray that it will sink deep in the hearts of your people, that it will be helpful to them, and that you will answer their cry. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the month of August. It's going by very quickly, and we're building the fund so that we'll have enough to pay for radio at the end of the month. If you'd like to be a part of that, please go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com.
And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see Donate. Please click on that. It'll open a web page called tithe.ly where you can donate online. Or would you, would you write to me? National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you so much for listening. I pray this has helped you today. If it has, hit the like button. Share it with others. And my brother and sister, I want to tell you, God wants to hear from you. He loves you. I love you too. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. His glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Christ alone be glory and majesty.